That was Carly Simpson on the Flea FM. My name's Benji. We're back here for another Friday. I'm bringing you home after a long week of work. And tomorrow, you know, we've got some sex therapists coming on the show. I want to thank, say thank you to everyone that's actually sending me messages for all the uh, lovely messages about the car accident I was in last Friday. I'm all good now. Um, unfortunately, the car did not make it. So I'm actually on the hunt for a new car. <laughs> coming up next on the show, we've got Mika Haka. And we're going to talk about a bunch of new things, music, film, television, and some mental health things as well. You're on the Flea FM. Welcome to the Afternoon Drive show. I'm Benji. I'd like to give a shout out to all those boxers who are on their way to Golden Gloves this weekend during the Queen's Birthday weekend. Today we've got a special guest in the studio. We've got the one and only Mika. Kia ora Mika. Kia ora Benji. How are you? I am Good. How are you? Very well. Very well. Now, I apologise for all the traffic that comes through Devonport because I know that can be a, a bit of a pain. That's an understatement. <laughs> the understatement of the year. So I want to um, give the great people of Devonport Bayview and obviously Central City. Uh, for those who don't know who Mika is, who is Mika? Hmm. I create things. That's probably the best term. Books, movies, music, stage shows. I like that. I create things. Sometimes it's easier to say that than I write songs and books and I make movies. <laughs> People tend to do these days, but I'm a, I'm a creative creature. Yes. yes, yes. And like some of my favourite content I know from what I've seen, because I've obviously done a lot of research on the great and wonderful Mika, is uh, obviously your music. Um, and you've actually travelled across the world with your music. Yes, I've pretty much been to every continent but Antarctica before me. Is, is, that, is that the aim? I think it was the aim because I think as an artist in this country it's really supportive. However, mm. you do need to travel to maintain a longer career often. New Zealand is a fantastic place. We are more conservative by nature because we're a smaller populace. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were only three million people, yes. which isn't even the suburb of Sydney. Yes. So when I was performing, and my audience is um, quite bespoke in the sense, so I'd be doing Edinburgh fringe festivals, and I've done things in New York and Cuba, yeah, some South America. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, it's just all over the world. But you see, you do that because you have to. It's not flash. It's nothing overtly glamorous. It's, it is a great life. I think the best thing about overseas is you can reevaluate what is important creatively. Yeah, and like. The great thing that what I love about your story is is that music wasn't actually your beginning point. No, not at all. It was um, because your story, you, uh, you've always been quite creative because you went to the Aerobic World Championships yes. back in 1980s, 19... yeah, early 90s. That was great. We were travelling the world for aerobic. If anyone doesn't remember what aerobic competitions... Okay, if you go to group fitness classes, it's kind of these stride jumps and moves... Uh, down to 160 BPMs per minute, which is basically like moving after you've had 20 coffees in a row. I don't, 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 don't. And I went, and I went to Scotland, uh, England, uh, Italy, uh, Brazil twice, Tokyo once or twice, Australia. Oh, given and we should just go there and do these aerobic championships. They're not as popular now, I think, as far no. as popular. But that's also because now they are basically, I would say, uh, gymnastics on speed. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it for you listeners out there. It's like gymnasts moving so quick, it's like Mickey Mouse on speed. Yes. I think like the best thing when you think about um, aerobics is kind of like Richard Simmons. Kind of. yes, yes, very much, very much. If, if Richard Simmons, Jane Fonda, Cher, all those um, group classes that were... And also it was more fun when people first started because what happened was it was also a massive uh, work around women's liberation at that time. What happened, all these women started going to aerobic classes and meeting other women. And all of a sudden, you, if you have a look between 1982 and 86, I think it is, one of the largest divorce rates of women divorcing men in that period in history. Because it's kind of like the whole woman power yeah, at that time. Yeah, and, and not necessarily bad, because I had several women in my aerobics mm. companies divorce their husbands. It's because they were growing as people. And, and building community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, like... We're men, we'll never know what women actually go through. What's interesting when a whole bunch of women get together and how, because I was with them, because my team, I had lots of women in the team, and many of them, as I said, did separate from their partners. And I encouraged them to separate, not in a bad sense, but 
they were starting to go out and feeling alive and they were, they were getting fit and energised. And that is the best part of group fitness for yeah. me. Okay, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about more about your music. Okay. But first, we're going to listen to one of your um, one of your songs from one of your first albums, well, your first full studio albums, uh, Portfolio. Oh, well, hit it. Yeah, yeah hit it. <laughs> Kia ora, Mika. Kia ora. So next we're going to talk about um, your music. As you've got lots and lots of uh, singles, albums out already, and you've done a lot of projects in music as well. Hmm. How'd you get into music? I was doing a stage show, where I, one of my first one-man shows as such, and Dalvanius was in the audience, and I sang this Alison Durbin classic of the time, and he came up and said, we must record that, and I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> A few months later, I was with Warner Music. They signed me at Warner Music with the fabulous Jeremy Freeman and team. And then they released uh, what was New Zealand's first gay single, which managed to get in the top 50 of the charts, which was quite a remarkable feat considering that of the theme. And the song was called I Have Loved Me A Man. And I think my point of difference is I wasn't wearing drag. So I was a man on the record cover. And yes. then I was the man in the music video. The song got banned, which today you can't get a song banned. So that was quite a thing. But I was, I was on billboards. I was everywhere. I was banned. It was um, clickbait at its finest, I would say, back then. <laughs> back then. But, of course, back then, of course, the number of men dying of AIDS and HIV, it was vital that we did as much as we could to raise those awareness. Because at that point, Gay law reform had just come into law, so it was no longer illegal to be a homosexual yeah, anymore. Yeah, and like, um, gay, gay <laughs> I'm sorry, I laugh now. <laughs> no, it no, no, like, like, now, like gay law reform came in in 1986, yeah. but we didn't actually get the rights to uh, for like law and human rights until 1992. Probably, <laughs> Probably. it becomes a bit of a blur, doesn't it? After yeah. a while, human rights—you just think everyone should have the same human rights. That's the bizarreness of human rights. Yes. Yeah, and it came out like just six years after the fact as well. Wow. But um, for those people who don't know who Delvanius is or who've been living under the rock, um, not the rock, a rock, <laughs> living under Dwayne Johnson, now, um, Delvanius is the producer for Poye. Yes, he yes. created Poye and he produced myself, Hiniwehi Mohi, Moana, uh like Mira Tamita did with me in film and Taika and all the others, he was for music for many of us as well. He was an amazing, larger-than-life figure would be the word. He would have 20 chihuahuas. I'm exaggerating. Imagine chihuahuas running through Warner Music. He kind of ruled. He just... He ruled the land. Yeah, he just ruled. He had that personality, and he got Warner to release all these Māori artists, which Mm. back then there was no te reo on the radio. Yeah. There wasn't anything. Because um, if you were Māori, you were singing English language songs and you were dressing like pop stars. Yeah. And they were fantastic, the Bunny Walters and the Howards and all those things. But he, he opened that door and that's what he'd wanted to do. One of the great things I learnt from you is actually through your book, I Have Loved Me a Man, is how te reo language, um, how it became such a dying language because it was so suppressed during the 50s and 60s mm. and even to today it's we're starting to get more life into it mm. but yes. going on to that 90s area when we actually started releasing poor year it still was quite suppressed wasn't it yes i i would say that te reo maori and all sorts of aspects it's really this millennium mm. that it's actually starting to become more natural would be a nice term rather than forced yeah. Uh, of course, there are people who have a fear of any language, thinking that the whole nation's going to start speaking Te Reo Māori tomorrow. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, however, it is being revitalised. I, li- I like to use the word revitalised. So in all my Te Reo Māori music, I like to explore subjects that maybe other musicians might not. Like yeah. my big thing is working with people who don't have any Te Reo Māori at all. I'm talking about Māori who don't have any Te Reo Māori and letting them have a go without the trauma. Because the problem if you're very brown and someone starts speaking to you in Te Reo and you don't, you can't help but have that, oh, gee, I should be able to speak Māori, but I can't speak Māori. So all my work is about that. It's about that small percentage. Oh, sorry, 
large, very sorry, large <laughs> group of Māori who don't speak te reo yeah. and have a whakamā, a shyness, um, an embarrassment about it. Yeah. There is also another thing. Anyone who can afford the time and the money to learn a language of any generally has the financial resources to have yeah. that time and many Māori who don't don't have that time because yes. they need to be working or looking after whānau and family and things like that. Yes. yes. With uh, your music, mm. um, your second studio album you had, uh, Mika Haka, which is uh, fully te reo yes. um, songs. And you told me uh, a while ago that this, about, uh, this album was important to you because it was Māori people creating a Māori album. Yes. And... Um, just everything from step A to C uh, was... Yes. Yeah. It was the first time I had the designers, the producers, everyone involved, uh, Māori. And it was interesting because there are always challenges when you try to work if it's just women or just LGBT or Māori. But however, I did it and I was, it was a project I'd always wanted to do. I've done so many albums in Te Reo Māori now. I, I don't want it, seven or something with other singers, etc. However, I like... Also, I like language. I've sung in mm. French, I've sung in Spanish, I sing te reo. I think languages are quite beautiful in, in music. Yeah, and I've always seen how you have nice flow with the language as well, especially with uh, Mika versus fashion as well. That's my favourite, yes. probably, Mika versus fashion. So they, they were kind of, you say, haiku, a whakatauki mō tete, they're like proverbs, but they're kind of like fashion music. Yes. You know, you know how, how they say in fashion, you know, in this season we'll be having we'll be having clothes that flow with the wind that give you the sense of independence. Mm. That's they're those kind of lyrics. That was my favorite yeah, album. Yeah. And we, with um with I have loved me a man you went to the top 50 in the charts. So with uh, Mika Fist Fashion you got top 40 in the iTunes charts. Um, do you have a favorite song? <laughs> a baby oh, per se? Favorite song. I have several. Depends on the mood. I suppose, I mean, I can... Gosh. Yes, I actually do have favourite songs if I think about it uh, because I still sing them. Coffee, of course, is my dance. Dance, uh, I'm sure we'll be getting some time today because if anyone knows Benji, he, oh. do, he does tend to have coffee on rotate. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll put that on next so, then. <laughs> um, coffee is... Um, coffee's a fun song. I also got... They used it in the Sydney Opera House show. I did... Uh, COVID has confused everyone's mind of time, but before COVID yeah, closed down, the yes. Sydney Opera House and the original score was set for coffee. And maybe the listeners can have a listen and figure out what what was so cute about the lyric and the chorus. Off you go. <laughs> We're joined here with Mika. <laughs> Just one of those things. That I know, it's a Friday afternoon and everyone's sitting here drinking water. It's lovely. And uh, for those people who don't know, we're actually in international. <laughs> we're in international. Um, we're in international Pride Month, so for, I think uh, Mika's kind of losing his head a bit. I'm doing Pride from the distance. Pride from the distance. That's that's actually him being screaming from the distance. <laughs> Oh, you got to have fun. It's radio, for goodness sake. And, of course, uh, what we're doing for uh, Pri- World Pride Month is we've got Cosmopolitans all here in the studio, and uh, and that's probably what he was coughing on. Um, <coughs> drink responsibly, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we're going to talk about next, uh, before we actually talk about your television career, something interesting that people might not know about is you actually played rugby in school. Yes. 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 But just throw that in during Pride Week to let you all know I also played rugby. <laughs> Mika also played rugby as well as war frogs. Yeah. War frogs. Mm. Just to just <coughs> prove your masculinity, you know. I was a symbol for diversity, I think, at my school. Back in the 70s. Back in the 70s. Back uh, in the decades. And also, um, you weren't, you didn't, uh, let's start this again. You didn't do just uh, rugby, but you did uh, track and field, is yes. that right? Yes. Yes. I was, that was my. That was my oh, that was my addiction when I was a kid. That was my, I loved at the track, long jump, four hundred meter hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got to the age where I must have been eighteen or something, and I realised I was in the sort of the top eight in four hundred meter hurdles or something like that. And I went, I can make money out of dance. <laughs> and I, and back then yeah. you couldn't, um, you had to be completely amateur. You could not accept even a. Um, a a token, yeah, yeah, like a you know, like a food voucher, you know, a record voucher that you'd be disqualified. So, well, if I can't make money, then 
you might as well just do yeah. dance. Yeah. And that, that's purely because of it, because um, you didn't want to go down the sporting... No, no, no. Yeah. Which obviously led you to the aerobics championships. Well, that was money as yeah. well. You said money, international travel, so that was quite... That was, that was professional from day one. Yeah. But also you can't... It's really hard. Look, anyone who's an athlete out there knows what it's like. Or musicians, they all know what it's like. It's a constant struggle. So you, I mean, I loved aerobics. Yeah. I, I loved aerobics. I loved dancing. I loved music. And I managed to have a career out of those things. So, and I retired from aerobics about 92 when I just realised it. I could tell it was starting to peak. And it was a kind of sport that was all over TV back then. It was, yeah, on, it was yeah. on prime time at one point. I think they, I think Disney even had like a Mickey Mouse uh, aerobics sort yes. of thing as well. Yeah, they did. So it was huge. It's it's kind of fallen off a bit now. But yeah, I think they tried. Is it at the Olympics? No. Uh, <laughs> call it now, callers, to Flea FM and let us know is the aerobics at the Olympics these days. Yes, yes. You can actually uh, send your messages over to the Flea FM's uh, Facebook page or Benji the Flea on Facebook. Uh, just uh, putting in that little uh, dig right there. Benji the Flea. Yeah, this dot com. What? No, no, on Facebook. Just search oh, up right, Benji the Flea. Right. Yeah. Benji the Flea. Benji the Flea. That sounds so... Oh, anyway, carry on. Carry on, yeah. carry on. Um, well, you, from dance, you actually <coughs> went off to do your own theatre and your yes. own dance company yep. mm-hmm. and uh, teaching a lot of people uh, you had your own class as well yeah I had my own program at AUT for several years I've had companies break dance companies disco companies modern Maori dance companies that I took around oh my gosh um, yeah all, all sorts I, I mean I, I absolutely love dance I still do today um, I think the, the beauty of dance and aerobics and rugby and I went to National School of Ballet for example for for a short period until I realised it wasn't really what I wanted to do I love the class of ballet if anyone's ever done a ballet class it's really hard like it's intense but it's great for the body but I don't like Dancing ballet on stage, if you get my drift. Yeah. Well, my sister was a professional ballet dancer for a short period of time, and when she was first starting out, when she was a kid, they put marbles in her shoes just to get her on her toes. That's right. Yeah. That, that would be right. That would be right. Yeah. That's, that's probably your band. I had a, I had Christine McDonald in Christchurch. She was a chain smoking, cane whacking. <laughs> she had a cane. She'd whack you. Get that leg up. Get that leg up, and she'd whack you. And you know, smoking and and not blowing away, blowing the smoke directly in your face while you're you're doing your devil pay out to second. Then you start coughing and she'd go, "Ah, oh, stop that! Sort yourself out! Get your leg up! <laughs> Get where, tougher!" Yeah, where, where's Christine these days? That's the kind of ballet. That's why ballet's not popular anymore. You need a few more Christine McDonalds in there. Yes, and have this scar tissue just coming off your feet and legs and yes, whatnot. We'll right. talk about uh, t- television, your television career next when we come back from the break. Uh, but uh, your, the next song that I've requested is probably uh, one of my favourites. Is your very first one that you released? Is I have loved me a man. And do you want to, that was what the song that we spoke about before with Delvanius. Yes, so Delvanius produced I Have Love Me A Man back in the late 80s. We're still trying to figure out the exact date. And uh, this is my first single release with Mortal Music. Mika, I have loved me a man. You're on the Flea FM. That was Prince with... <laughs> with Kiss. As you can hear, Mika is... In the studio this afternoon, we're bringing you home from a long day's work, a long week's worth, since it's Friday. When was the last time you had a long week's worth of work? I don't work. No. <laughs> no. I no. actually don't work. I just write things, make things, and I don't have holidays. I just go and do things. It's, it's quite fascinating. We were driving over today, and I was saying, oh... It's this, this thing called traffic. Yeah. And I was going, what is all this traffic? And then someone who comes here quite regularly said, oh, this is just every day to yeah. the North Shore. And I went, oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Not that I don't work, it's that I, I just create. And I think when you create and it's not a nine to five and... You know, and also you, you're always going out to things and you're meeting well, people. It's I, I say that ironically because you just constantly are working. Oh yes, yes. In that respect, I'm working. But yes. never. For example, I'm writing a film script at the moment, yes. and I'm seriously deep in the film script. Mm. I'm totally in it. But I love every moment. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like ever I'm working. Do you ever have those moments where, when you are writing, and you're so deep into that writing, do you mix things up with reality versus when you're actually writing? I think my whole life is in an altered reality at times, <laughs> yes. Um, 
I, I just think I'm lucky that I, not lucky, I've worked hard for it, but I've decided very young what I wanted to do, so mm. the things I do make sense. Also, I'm not, I don't think for a long time I've been chasing that you must be number one syndrome, mm. which unfortunately permeates throughout the entire entertainment, actually many industries, radio, everything, you need to be better than yes. someone else. I've kind of reached a part in my evolution where I'm very content with whatever I make. Yeah. And I'm lucky I can make the stuff I make because I'm sure listeners this afternoon are hearing songs you probably haven't heard before on this very relevant <laughs> music station. <laughs> I'm not saying adult contemporary at all. <laughs> well, all, all music from that they haven't heard 10 years, 20 years ago. That's so. right, exactly. Yes. 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 So you've started off your career and and well, not just from your dance, but also with your uh, television um, mm. that you've done, especially with um, I think the first one was swimming with not swimming with sharks. It's um oh uh, shark in the park. Yes, was yes. I was an actor. Program called Shark in the Park, which was like it was a prime time cop show when I was a cop. Yeah, and I went straight from that and played Carmen in the documentary, the Maori drag queen. And then I released I Have Loved Me A Man. And I couldn't figure out why they didn't ask me back for series two <laughs> at the time. I just I was like, but I've done a gay single and I played a drink. Oh, and the piano. I was in and the, the academy. Piano, yeah. So I played a, you know, the gay boy on the tree with Harvey Keitel. And I'm like, why don't they want me back to play the straight Māori cop? I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> if, if anything, you're like... But that sort of thing, um, especially with the piano, mm. um, you'd think that they would want you back because it's something to talk about. We're talking about a period where when they cast me as Constable Ra, yeah. they, hard to believe now, listeners, but there were so few Māori roles on television. They were walking very thin. Like, like some episodes, they had me speaking te reo, some I spoke none. All very well-meaning Pākehā directors and writers who really had no idea. So yeah. they were always on thin ice. So, of course, I suggested they let me come out and be a gay cop. Well, that was just too much. He was Māori and gay. It wasn't going to happen. No. And they did the right thing by not bringing me back. I mean, I'm pragmatic, yeah. understand, yeah. about my acting, singing, etc. But I knew what my brand, what, that's what we call it now, yeah. was going to be. And I, what, I played another policeman <laughs> in another film uh, later. And then when I finished it, no, I don't want to do those roles no. I don't need to be challenged in that respect yeah. I mean back then straight actors used to pretend they were gay on films so that they could be an actor it's quite funny now uh, you gotta <laughs> laugh you do have to laugh because it's a different woke world now but I understand there was a period where people did things Yeah, like yeah. when they did the funny ha ha um, comedy special cup. I was on that cup. they asked yeah, everybody yeah. on it and the questions I was asked you know, some of the younger comics find things that Billy T. James said and those that you're really offensive now and I said that was the time yeah you know yeah. I mean Howie the Maori he did that I think he had that sort of song himself and they that's how it was because if they didn't much like African Americans yes to be able to play to the money audience who were white they had to play a bit of the piccaninny yeah that's just how it was now um, speaking about uh, a little bit of television when I was mm. looking at that uh, music video that we were playing in the background uh, I Have Loved Me A Man was that David Tour's trainer? It is August Lamb <laughs> August Lamb yes that, that, that's got me by surprise right there yes yeah. do, do you remember um, any do you remember any of the cast back then even like the yes. drag queens or? Uh, there was Tess Tickle Tess Tickle yeah, oh. that's her name <laughs> Tess Tickle there yes. was uh, but August Lamb was also one of my dancers I took him to the Adelaide Fringe Festival oh, one right. year, and, and he toured with me in my New Zealand tour as well. And it was about that tour. He met his fabulous wife, who is just they're still together for these years. And I've got a tribe of children, a tribe of a children. Tribe, it a was, tribe. That was that was. I love those first shows that I did back yeah. then. You know, that, I think I did Uncooked, Meditamita, directed that. Then Dalvanius helped with music, and then I did uh, Uncut, totally Uncut, and then I did. Oh, I did so many, but they were that was the stuff I loved because it was grassroots I was learning yeah. to produce learning to tour learning to pay people learn all that stuff that is really valuable now yeah yeah you know I was doing some archiving the other day and I came across a bunch of your interviews that you had with like John Campbell oh right yes uh, yes yeah there's so many I'm sorry I just can't remember most of the and also interviews. with Strassman Oh, yeah, Strassman. Yeah. The puppet. Yeah, the puppet. That was quite a good one, I believe. And that was like prime time 
TV. TV and And I was pretty risque. Risque, yeah. I I think it's harder to be risque now because there's become TikToks, etc. There's more of a shock value than risque. Do you get my drift? Like some of the... um, we just aren't as risque as we used to be. It's harder to be risque. It's harder to be banned. Yeah, yeah. I think and if you're banned now, you've got to be. It's pretty gross if you're banned now, aren't you? Yeah, you know, yeah. I think it's. And also, sad. I saw an interview with. Uh, was it Good Morning? Oh, Good Morning New Zealand for, for those international yes, yes. listeners, because we do actually get listeners from the UK. Um, Good Morning New Zealand. Um, that you're promoting Juiced, uh, one of your cabaret shows. Yeah, Juiced. Yes, yes, that was the one. Yes, that was the first one I took. I did the Barcelona Olympics, Edinburgh. I did London, New York Men's Health Crisis. That's right. I got a, I got a Winston Churchill Fellowship, where they gave me a, a lovely amount of money to travel the world. To, I was trying to. This is the AIDS period, listeners. So yeah. there was a period happening where literally, I stopped counting at forty-five the number of men I knew who died of the virus, and so everything in my life at that stage was about that kind of activism. So they gave me funding to go and look at what other people were doing around mm. the world, and just happened to be the Barcelona Olympics at that time asked me as well. Yeah. So it was a, yeah, that was that was me on my own with a one backing CD uh, in this little backpack and these huge Doc Martin boots with um, a mohawk hairdo. Yeah. I think Elton John had been on before yes. me in Barcelona, and I'm out the back going, "What the heck do you do after Elton John's been on?" You know, me and my backing tape and a mohawk hairdo, and I, but that. That was the time. That was the last time I got nervous. I don't. I don't get nervous on stage. And it's not the first time you did stuff with Elton John because um, you performed in 1998 and what was it? Some it was in oh, London in yeah, the London. Royal, Royal Albert Hall yes. in London. Yeah. And you were playing Tito I Hear Why that right. your opera version the of opera it. Version. And yes. then was it like before you was Elton John as well? He was definitely before me. I remember that because I saw him. I think I can't remember. Was it Kylie? It comes a blur. It was a lovely night. Um, Ian, um, so Ian yes. McKellen, he was running the event. And not a lot of people know this, but that was actually um, televised on TV3. Yes. yes. Very good. See, we, so t- um, today, <laughs> listeners, we have the official Mika archivist, I believe, in the studio <laughs> called Benji at Flea. Uh, <laughs> it is fascinating how people often remember things. But you see, as an artist, that is your job. Yes. Like I know that Barbara Streisand said it once. She said it's not the song; it's how you connected with the yeah. song or the TV program or the comedy show. So, yeah, that's that's our job. If you think yes. if you think what my job is, my job is to engage, not and always entertain, but engage. Fast forward to more modern times. Is that very poorly said? Fast forward to the noughties and the two thousands. Yeah. Um, you started doing a lot more of your um, television work. Yes, I had my own like three TV, two TV. Series, yes, two TV series <laughs> and my own Rugby World Cup TV special. Yes, and like, what's the name? A couple we got the Tamika show. Yes, uh, Mika live. Mika live, and um, then Rugby World Cup in 2011. Uh, the Aroha Mardi Gras. Yeah, Aroha right. Mardi Gras, which um, <coughs> is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> uh, free, free show. I think like what's it, fifteen thousand 15, 15, people yeah. um, <laughs> at arrived the at the waterfront. Um, and like I hope I, I'm still hoping one day that uh, we can actually see more of that. Uh, do you, will you be planning on doing another show like that, one day? Maybe not. I'm probably like I had the opportunity to do another Mika's TV series. Mm. I think something happened. I just wanted to do something more <clears throat> in the film. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. And like w- one last uh, TV series that, that is still quite. <sighs> Regulated through Maori television is uh, Matika. Yes, no? yes. Yeah, that's my oh my health stuff. So I had car, car life, car TV, Matika. They're all my health entertainment programs that I was running when I was um, in one of my charities. Yeah, that I was um, doing free exercise in schools. Yeah. So, so how much <coughs> caffeine do you <laughs> consume on a, a daily? A lot of caffeine. <laughs> what kind of coffee do you like, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're going to take a break and we're going to listen to another song from the Mika Haka album. This is Titeo Ahiwai. Uh, did I say that? Did I pronounce it? Beautiful. That? Beautiful. Yeah. This is Titeo uh, Ahiwai. Eight minutes past five. You're here on the Flea FM. There was Adam Lambert 
never close our eyes. I was trying to let you look at the computer because the microphone's in the way so I can let you see. We've got Mika in the studio. I am, yes. Yes, you're here, right here. So um, you've been part of a lot of mental health organisations mm-hmm. and you've created your own charities and done a lot of work. Um, how'd you get started in that? I first wrote my first work about suicide in the 80s when I was in the Māori Theatre Company, Te O Whukari, and we weren't allowed to do it because you couldn't talk about suicide. Hard to believe now, but you couldn't talk about it then. And then, of course, when AIDS came along and dozens of people were taking their lives because it was just horrible death for so many people. And that's how we got interested. And then, of course... In this new millennium, we've noticed the amount of young rangatahi who are self-harming. I've used the word self-harming a bit more now in my new way of thinking rather than suicide prevention. Just, it's an easier thing for me to, to grasp onto. There isn't any solution around well, suicide, this much we know. And the thing what I've learned, suicide assist, which uh, Lifeline do these fantastic courses that I did. And the biggest advice I can give to anyone so a parent with a young child, you know, teen, whatever, and you start getting those gridlock angst where you can't agree, sometimes you've just got to be quiet and let the young one talk. Yes. Just let them talk. And if they can talk things out, sometimes that's more helpful. Rather, here's a good example. You know, I've told you, oh, I just did something today, and they say, that's good. What you need to do now is blah, blah, blah. So they're always building you, so you're never good enough. You have to be yeah. careful. And the, um, We've got access to so much information, right? That doesn't mean we know any more. Yes. Now, it's amazing how you're talking about, um, instead of saying uh, suicide prevention, you're talking more about uh, self-harming. Yes. It's... One, suicide is such a big, heavy word, and it's a very important thing to say, but it's also, that's the end result in the journey when they actually go through that whole mental health uh, struggles. Mm. And with self-harming, it's not just about the traditional, oh, I'm cutting myself, I'm hurting myself, but it's also a way of thinking, because... What some people say is like when you say, oh, suicide, oh, I don't have any suicide thoughts. Okay, well, have you thought about um, like you just want to sleep all day and do nothing? It's like, is that, is, do you have those thoughts? Like, yes, I do. Because not living is a form of self harming. Unless it's actually, I just need to take a break, then that's completely different. And then it's like, not eating is a form of self harming, and I can go on and on and on. But those are just some examples of what, what a different view of self-harming is hmm. I mean when someone is in that final state of suicide from what and I've now been to hundreds and hundreds of things there's a state of mind that you and myself are not in Yes. so we cannot know that state of mind Yes. so when someone's self-harming it could be a call it could be them trying to explore where that hurt is I mean we know the cutting is sometimes yes. trying to release Yes. depression. I mean, depression's a really good example. I don't have depression. Yes. Um, I think most people get happy and most people get sad, right? Yes. And they're fleeting. Happiness, sadness. Yes. Depression is stuff you, I'm here. Yeah. And That's also, debilitating. Yeah. And so depression can um, compound. It's quite a Western thing, of course, yeah. depression as well, oddly enough. And sadness doesn't actually equal depression. No, not at all. No. Not, not at all. And this is the... I remember when I was giving a lecture at one of the universities and one of the young students said, how do you deal with depression? I said, well, I don't have depression. (laughs) And I know I don't have depression because I I now know what depression is and I do not have depression. Depression is that thing you can't get out of bed. You actually can't get out of bed. I don't know a day I... I mean, unless you've got a flu. I'm talking about illness and I haven't been able to get out of bed. I I think what is good, though, we now accept mental health a lot more than we ever did. Like if someone has a mental um, issue, they yes. can we can now talk about it without having solutions. And the sad thing is about um, this is that even because I've got, I'm very glad, very lucky to have a really, really good GP and everyone should be 
feeling comfortable that they should be able to talk to their GP, a medical yes. professional, or even their friends and family. I still hear stories that GPs, uh, um, people will go to their GPs and say, hey, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do. And the GP saying, don't look depressed. Yes, I have heard those as well. And um, of course, we have to do this. If you do know anyone who has those thoughts and you're LGBT, for example, we have Outline, which you can just go online. There's also Youthline for young people and they text because, mm-hmm. of course, a lot of young people don't want to talk. They want to text. Yes. Um, there's Samaritans. There is Lifeline. There is there, there are services out there. However, one thing I have learned is it's easy to say there's a helpline, yes. but then you're still talking to a stranger and you can still feel vulnerable. So yes. it's trying to find that person you can talk to, medical professional, uh, friend. Here's a really good one. Um, I have a series online called the Aroha Project, which was my self-harm prevention web series. And one of the best stories is one of the young Westy blokes. said he was out one night and there was this guy crying on the street. His girlfriend had left Mm. him and he just sat there with him because he'd been to these courses um, from Lifeline, just sat there with him and said, it's all right, we'll just sit here. Mm. Sometimes, especially blokes, guys, we just have to be quiet. Yes. Don't always say, oh, what we got to do, what we got we should uh, just say, oh, yeah, and just sit there. Because sometimes just sitting with someone is enough. Yes, yeah. Also, um, just to add to that with the whole um, outline, is that outline has a tech service now as well. Good. So that's a yeah. uh, new added feature that they actually only brought out this year. So that's a that's a nice. Um, but, yeah, I've watched your Aroha project series, and it's one of the best things I've seen in ways of mental health because it's not just as easy to access you can actually go onto YouTube and actually watch it all over the place but it's also with uh, rangatahi uh, everyday people LGBT um, you can uh, reflect and relate to it and it's one of the best things um, if I'm going through this person's going through and I'm not alone sort of thing I think everything I do in the charities I create or work with like my new one is a QPOC, which for those out there is queer people of colour. So it's anyone who's LGBT or thinks differently, mm-hmm. spectrum, I'm not talking, and allies. Yes. So you don't, So I have uh, Pākehā straight people in our organisation sometimes because um, we've become more omnicultural. And omnicultural is that ability to be in communities. For example, boxing. Yes. You could have a 68-year-old nice white lady sitting beside a 13-year-old kid from Manurewa, Screaming for the same poot, right? Yes. See, yes. This is oh, this is where more where audiences are. So, you know, we don't get definitely vows. We don't have age, race, gender being a thing. Yes, a thing. Yes, exactly. We're going to take a break now, but our next Mika song we're going to play is from Mika Fisher Fashion. Good. I hope it's uplifting after that conversation. Oh, for sake. Oh, should smiley, happy, happy smiley, stuff, happy stuff now. Oh, we could go. Oh, if we go smiley, smiley, happy, we can go. Oh, I was thinking more dress to express. That's too heavy. Just That's do that too, one. Just to. okay. Well, I'll do Araha Love. You're on the Flea FM. <laughs> We've got Mika in the studio, and uh, just a random question. Um, not so random, because we're prepared for this. Um, what uh, new music proce- um, projects that you've got coming up? Oh. Well, actually, I'm working with this really good band, actually, uh, for about last year, called Downhead. You can, you, can, you can find their music. They're a couple of young guys who, I'd say EDM, metal, hip-hop, definitely got their own sound. Yeah. I like them, because... They have their own sound, and I'm really big on musicians who have their own voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hunter Rotherham actually is working on uh, some of my films at the yeah, moment so. as well. And their next tour will be in down the Hawke's Bay. Yeah. They did a tour recently, and uh, about two weeks ago they headlined at the Ampers, the Aotearoa Music Photography Awards. Yeah, and um, is it is it um, you did with uh, Downhead a performance with the tennis or oh yes the um, Māori tennis classic down in Wairoa we did that yeah oh a few months ago now so dates do tend to blur listeners I'm afraid so <laughs> I, you know 1988 could be 2008 you know to me but um, no they um, they're called Downhead I suggest you'll go and check out some of their tracks their first album's called Chernobyl um, I, I, I just I just think they've got something that's fresh and I think in today's world of music you kind of need that yes to stand out 
Yeah, and I, I have listened to their music as well, and uh, I've uh, had the honour to um, listen to like a little preview of what's coming out uh, later in the future. Yes, or on which you're not talking about right yeah. now. I think we're not, very we're good. Talk- I know. I know that. I'd, watch out, listeners. He does that. He's got a mouth like mm-hmm. he's, he's got a mouth like a clickbait newspaper. <laughs> But like, um, what I like about it is like um, they've got their own sounds, yes. but I can see influences as well. Yes. Like I've seen influences from like Linkin Park, Ramstein, yep. um, and it's not like this generic um, band that's coming out of a garage. They're actually really good. Absolutely not. No, no. no. I mean, they. Um, you talk about you know all those influences. I think I had a metal band in early millennium. Uh, plastic Maori band that I took Montreal and, and places, and I, I've always kind of liked metal. Not all forms, because metal is quite broad. Yes, I do like metal. I'm, it would definitely be more Linkin Park. I yeah. like Marilyn Manson, things like that. I mean, I think music today is you've got to have something that's unique and different. I mean, twenty six thousand songs a week released on Spotify. Am I right? Something, yeah. that, something like that. So that's what you're up against every. Yeah every single day and then you've got to compete against the number one classics that have been there forever which are being played on the station all afternoon it's yes, lovely yeah mm. exactly exactly so i want to talk about uh this song and since it's got such a long intro i'm just going to start playing it now yes um this is a uh, love on rose oh yes love on rose and this is uh, once it actually starts there we go, there we go. um so Obviously, this is a cover from Grace Jones. Have Edith you Piaf, originally, yes. Originally. Edith Piaf, yes. Uh, Ed, Ed, well, Edith Piaf, and then later on, Grace, Grace Jones. Jones. Yes. Uh, you've done something with Grace Jones, is that right? Yeah, in 94, I warmed up at the Roxy in New York, and I was on stage, and I was very happy with my show. It was early, let's, I don't know, it may have been 10 p.m. Grace didn't come on for about six hours <laughs> <laughs> afterwards, so she never saw me. Uh, but it was... The gay games, actually. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was the gay games, and we got there, and the person who was producing all these shows had gone. Yeah. So we all got there from all over the world, and there was no shows. But I was very lucky. There was a uh, there is a um, life beat. Life yes. beat is music's response to AIDS. And a great man, Tim Roster, got me the gig and introduced me to a woman called Camille Barbone, who was Madonna's first manager. And yes. Camille took me under her wing and taught me everything about Mika I needed to know. Well, this is Lovey and Rose, who Mika actually opened for Grace Jones. I think it's got a bit longer yet yeah. before we just chatting. Well, let's let the listeners have a nice there chill. We go. Have a nice chill. You're on the Flea FM. That was Heart with Barracuda. <laughs> Flumen. Flumen. flowers Blumen. on the floor. Someone just someone just dropped some flowers. It's hilarious. Oh, flowers. Yeah. So um, you've got this, uh, you've been working on this project for such a long time and it yes. was released in 2020, 2020? Yeah, 2020. And uh, this is what we're talking about is the short film Girl. Girl. So Girl is the short film about Carmen, New Zealand's infamous Māori drag queen from the 1970s which is being released worldwide streaming on the 1st of July so girl it's spelt G-U-R-L because in the old fashioned days the gays would go hey girl like that a girl girl and it um, it's a short film it's about one night when Carmen met a very famous former All Black and they became lovers for a a night. Now, now tell me, who's that famous All Black guy? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to get the name on there. No, it's never going to happen. No, um, tell, tell us now, who is this person? <laughs> Where do I live? No, um, Carmen and I are from very old school. We, we don't kiss and tell. No. no. Well, I think it's not just like you and Carmen, but like it's generally the, it's almost unwritten gay law. You don't out someone out. Someone else out. You're joking, aren't you? No. We're vicious, evil, and nothing nice about gay. Good Lord. We're, you know, well, I think, I think too that Carmen and a lot of, some of us, just a bit old-fashioned, some things should stay with you. It's just that simple. It's, um, everyone in your life has people who should just stay with you. Also, the people, con- the man concerned was never homophobic, didn't do anything anti-gay, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, so there's no reason... And they went on to get married, of course, had children, there'll be grandchildren. Yeah. They don't need that. It's just not important. So, right? 
I had the pleasure of actually watching this at the um, New Zealand International Film Festival during the COVID times where we, for the briefest moment, we were out of lockdown for the briefest yes. moment. Um, we got to see a bunch of lovely short films. Uh, of course, uh, your short film got the loudest reaction of the cackles and laughter and, um, you know, the hoary laughter in, mm-hmm. the, in the audience. Yep. Um, <laughs> and it's just like such a surreal moment to see your film on the big screen mm. um it went you got the audience award yes and you got a lot more awards because the film is being overseas yeah i've got to the film festival i wanted to and the distributors i got i think i think one about eight or ten awards best yes. actor for jay tewaki best uh, my the soundtrack i wrote won the new york city independent film festival award yes. for best soundtrack Lots of awards. I think I, I have, I've achieved what I wanted to as I prepare to make the feature film, yeah. uh, which is now definitely in the pipes and happening. Have COVID stopped everything, hasn't it, for the yes. last few years? No one's done anything, so now we're just coming alive now. Yeah. And uh, one, of my, one of the most amazing things is that um, you see this film going into the most randomest, of, well, not randomest of mm. places, but randomest countries like Brazil, obviously the States, um, uh, somewhere in the UK and it's just it's great to get um, our stories out there across the world yes yes there are, it is again much like music highly competitive today to get into things so I, I'm very happy with where Girl has gone yeah. and is still going and the best part is I've had at least 10 at least 10 film festivals or groups message me wanting the film which is really really nice because often <laughs> when you make things you're hustling them out there yeah. to get sold or get brought and, and they weren't so I, I, I'm really happy in that respect uh, the other thing with the soundtrack is I'm not singing on the soundtrack I wrote the songs and I purposely got other performers in because whilst I'm in the film as well yeah. I wanted to really explore other singers I mean Jackie Clark yeah. is singing on it Jay's on it um, Regan Taylor who's in the oh my gosh sorry Regan there are there's a whole bunch of those um, you know Maori volcanic type bands he's in, he's one of those bands um, Alan Jansen of course, yes. who made oh, Bizarre, uh, How Bizarre How he Bizarre. is he produced it Mark Dennison and Penny Dodd both did the musical arrangements so that so we had 25 Musicians and singers in recording the album. And I remember Penny Dodd, who does a lot of APO stuff. Is, is yes, right? yeah, she she was probably best known for a long time for being Miss Christmas in the Park. Yes, she did all the music forever for Christmas. She doesn't do it now. Um, and Mark came along. I think she was working on another musical at the time. And Mark Dennison came in. Yeah, and he took over, and he brought a whole other level to. It. I mean, what they can do that I can't is they score. Yeah, so they. Penny, when I worked with the APO, scored all my songs with you know seventy-nine piece orchestra. So every piece has a piece of sheet music she has to score. It's a, such I don't know how they do it. It's a certain brain that this genius brain of music that I can't do. And you've got that long relationship with uh, Penny because like mm. you've done um, Switch Bar Salon yes, Beaker, yes. you've done um, APO at, at what was it Altier Square at, uh, at the arm um, the Altier Theatre. Yeah. The, it's now called the Dame Kitty Takanawa yes. Theatre at yes. the Altair Centre. And did you do something in um, one of the churches? Oh, yes, that, yes. St. Yeah. Matthew in the city. I did a night in 2017 where I was raising money for the city mission. Yes. So uh, we had a quartet that night with Penny. Yes, we yes. did that. And Michael Knapp did the production design. And I think we raised about 5000 or more dollars. For Auckland City Mission. Yeah, Auckland City Mission. And I got Sanitarium to bring in... So much wheat bix, they'll be happy for weeks when they brought all the wheat bix yeah. in. It's a sanitarium. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, I'm kind of like that. If I get into something, I get really into it. I mean, I, when I saw the CEO of, of Sanitarium, said what I was doing, and I went straight to the CEO of Sanitarium and said, I'm doing this thing, can I have some food? And I think, I think New Zealanders are pretty generous, yeah. really, overall. Yeah. I think we are a pretty generous lot. I'm, it's unfortunate there are so many people who are rough sleepers now in, yeah. in this city that we live in. Um, that's more an indication, I think, of mental health services and um, the welfare system. It's unfortunate that there isn't a place that people can feel safe. I mean, look, right now it's thunderously rain out there. There are people in Auckland City right now who'll be darting under bus stops and will get drenched wet. Well, you know, we have to help them. Yes, ex- exactly. And, and that's uh, our role. I mean, for heaven's sake, we're we're able-bodied. We can do things, and that is kind of your 
job as a human, yes. I believe, but not everybody thinks that, of course, yes. but that's well, okay. We're going to go to a break. We've got um, Frankie Stevens. Frankie Stevens. Franken Stevens. And we we'll, we'll actually might play E.T. E.T. Yes. Uh, later as well from Brady. From Brady Pitty. From yes. Brady Pitty. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Carmen feature film that you're currently working on. We shall talk about that briefly, yes. Briefly. briefly. Just briefly, briefly. Because you just spoke, spoke about just just before, so we're going to just do a little briefly. Briefly. This is... Shake it up, baby. Itewa. Yeah. You're on the Flea FM. We are. It's 12. Oh, don't play the don't play the ads on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very professional today, listeners. It's all go. Everything's happening. We're dropping flowers and all sorts of things. So, um. What are you working on currently? Currently, three film projects, a new company, a brand new charity we are establishing recently, and it sounds like a lot, but it's quite focused. That's and, of course, and, uh, um, Downhead as well. Oh, downhead and everything, yeah, because they're, they're going to, well, they are. And it's just a really good mix but with mm. us all. I mean, there's... I think what COVID's done with a lot of creatives, I would imagine, a lot of people, actually, everyone out there, restaurant owners, everyone, is they've all reassessed what's important. Exactly. And, yeah. there, and there's things I can't be bothered doing anymore because I can't see how it enrich me, how it will enrich myself, what I want to do, how it enriches the people around me. I think I have noticed too, when I go to some places I used to go, there's even, I mean, we're getting back to what we call normality a bit now, but there's always a part of us that, remembers that time yes so yeah um so you said before you're working on um the carmen film mm -hmm. you, you can't say too much about it but it is in the beginning process i'm actually looking forward to watching it yeah you'll be in it for my way uh, so i've got this great role for benji at flea yeah, don't you worry, <laughs> listeners. He'll he'll be he, he'll be that dj he'll be going oh and carmen this morning she was exposing herself down on lambton key <laughs> <laughs> Say that, Ben. Come on, let me hear your voice. Off you go. This morning, Carmen. Oh, this morning. I see what he's doing there. He's auditioning. He's getting me to audition live to the thousands of listeners that are actually out there right yeah, now. Yeah, all three of you down in, yeah. <laughs> down there in Hamilton. How are you? All right? Yeah. Oh, Devonport. Sorry, Devonport. 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 Uh, I want to say thank you to Amika for coming into the studio. I hope you had a good time here. I had a wonderful time in your deluxe studio here with you know the coffee machine and the Volt, and the Volkswagen and the Volkswagen, <laughs> the nineteen seventy Volkswagen. I want that. Oh, oh, I can tell you now. No, can you just push it out, please? Close that door. Yeah. And there we go. So um, last week we began the show with uh, Tanifa by Mika. So we're going to close the show with Tanifa by Mika. I'll be back next week at 4 p.m. till 6 p.m. right here on the Flea FM. You are on the Flea.